Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the Dead End Sports Podcast. This is a weekly sports podcast. We call it the best hours of your sports week. Thank you for tuning in to the Dead End Sports Podcast. I am your host, 12 Kyle. Uh, We got a lot to talk about. Uh, If you haven't done so already, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. You can find a podcast anywhere where podcasts are given away for free. Uh, You can catch us on iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, everywhere. Make sure that you subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash dead in sports. This is the place where sports opinions collide. Of course, I will not be doing this podcast alone. Joining me are the homies. First up, my man, Beezy, 430. Beezy, what up, though? What up? What up? What's going on? Cassie, get your ass over there. <laughs> What's up? <man? laughs> hey, Cassie, go kick your ass, man. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I've been, been watching her for the past, like, four or five days, man. This dog is, is silly. She's silly as hell. She was, was she that when I came to the crib that day? No, 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 no. She wasn't. Okay, okay. Okay, okay cool, cool. Yeah, Cassie, that's, that's a cool dog. I like that dog, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she cool. I mean, yeah, I mean, she 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 real chill. Like the only time she's hyper is like, you know, when she first sees me. Those first like three or four minutes, man, she just she's she loses her damn mind. Happy like once she chill, man. like once she chill out, like she real she real chill, man. She to herself. Don't call a man's best friend for nothing. That's for sure. And also joining us is the homie Ken. Ken, what up, man? What's up? What's up? What's up? What's good? What's good? Man, just trying not to get crossed up like that little person on the Instagram, Dead in Sports. Uh, Ken, I can't believe you've never seen that, man. That is man, crazy. Dog. You know, I, I, I saw it, wow. but, I, but it's still funny. It's still funny. Oh, yeah, it's still funny. I could tell it was old just by the video, but, man, like when I you saw that, crazy. dude, I. <laughs> the way my man dove head first to the floor, man, like what, what possessed him to dive his head first to the floor? And, and for How those of you listening, <laughs> for those of you listening who don't know what we're talking about, go to our Instagram uh, page. Uh, that's Instagram Dead and just Dead in Sports. If you're not subscribing, make sure that you follow us there as well. And there's a video of a little person who's coming up to court, and he does a crossover. He's going up against another little person, and the little person falls flat on his face. It is the funniest thing that you will see this week. I promise. Man, just straight yeah, up comedy. Is. So we got some. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about, man. Uh, we're gonna be mostly NBA heavy, but we cannot uh, get this podcast started without talking about the championship weekend this past weekend. Not as is <laughs> filled with as much drama as last week's in the divisional round, but um, we had a championship weekend, man. The Super Bowl is set uh, for you know the first weekend of first Sunday in in uh, in, in February. Uh, we'll be in Minnesota. Uh, unfortunately, will not be the Vikings. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles will be taking on the New England Patriots. Um, so let's start right there, man. And uh, B, give us your thoughts on uh, the first game we're going to talk about: Minnesota versus uh, Philadelphia. Man, what did you think of that game and how it played out? 
Man, uh, that was the game I thought was going to be a lot closer than what the you know what, what ended up happening because um you know both teams you know got strong defenses, both teams are pretty much using backup QBs you know even though Case Keenum been a starting quarterback quarterback all you know year but for backup for Bridgewater but you know both you know teams got quarterbacks where you like can they lead their team. To the promised land. So I, I thought it was, like I said, I thought it was going to be a 14, 17 bang out type of game. And Philadelphia, man, them boys, that Meek Mill, that Meek Mill Dreams and Nightmares intro got them boys going. And there wasn't no turning back. Um, but yeah, and I think it's funny how, like, you know, how Case Keenum's been all season long. And in this postseason, he showed, and especially with this past game, NFC Championship game, he showed a lot of. <laughs> A lot of why we were like, okay, yeah, Case Keenum is Case Keenum. Like he wasn't looking like that. Oh, he's still gonna get paid though. Wherever right. he go, whether it's with Minnesota so? or, or another team, I think. Yeah, so. come on, Ken, yeah. Ken. Yeah, come on. He, you know he, he, he had a great. Season I'm not saying him. I'm not saying he like super superly deserve it, but like he's gonna get paid, Ken. We we've seen backup QBs who step in and have great a great stretch and go somewhere else and get paid. We've seen this, Ken. So. Yeah, I think he's going to get paid no matter where he go. Um, but he did kind of stink it up. I mean, if, if the NFC Championship game was an audition, just that one game, I wouldn't think he would get paid. But just based off the season that they had, no one, nobody thought Minnesota was going to be a playoff team. Better yet, make it to an NFC Championship game. Right. So, yeah, I, I th- like I said, that game just really caught me by surprise. Philadelphia, Nick Foles looked like, I think he just had an out-of-body experience. I don't know if he's going to duplicate that type of game he had against the Patriots. Um, but Nick Foles looked good. Nick Foles like he did about three years ago. Mm-hmm. He had like that good mm-hmm. hot run um, that game. I mean, it was a great time for him to have that game in the NFC Championship game. Got Philadelphia today. What's that? Their second, this their second Super Bowl appearance? Uh, this is the third, actually. Third? Okay. So, hopefully, third time's a charm, and they can pull out the win, man, against the Patriots. But, yeah, yeah. I thought that game was – I thought that game <laughs> – yeah, I know. I thought that game was, you know, it was interesting. It wasn't to me. It wasn't as entertaining as edge of seat on the edge of seat as the Jack Jacksonville and Patriots game. But you know, hey, Philadelphia, they came out and they they kept their foot on the gas and they mm-hmm. didn't let up the whole game. This is true. This is true. Also, also joining us right now is the homie FIFO. FIFO, what up, man? FIFO, yo, yo, what it do? What What's it going do? on, what player? Up, what up? What up? What's what good? up? What's good? Not too much, man. We're just uh, getting getting it cracking, man. Uh, give us your thoughts on uh, on Minnesota versus Philadelphia, man, how, and how that game played out. What, what were you? What did you think about it, man? Philly, you, you, watching that game, to me, I was like, if Carson Wentz was playing, these boys might have scored fifty and a half, right? Because because you know, and and then the other thing too, it just it, it makes you realize the job that that front office and that coaching staff has been able to do to get guys in there, right? Too often an organization will draft a young quarterback, Colts, uh, and then not supply them with the requisite weapons to, to really be a threat. And when you look at what Philly has to work with, J.J., they got uh, Blunt at running back. They got uh, Alshon Jeffrey. You know, uh, they got uh, uh, Ertz. Uh, the, the the tight end, you know what I'm saying? They just have weapons all over the place, and then they have a defense that can get after the quarterback. And, you know, it was a stat that they said that the Eagles' defense was number five in, in quarterback pressure. And, you know, everybody gets enamored with the sack, 
right? Because mm-hmm. that's the stat that could get you into the Hall of Fame. But at the end of the day, a, a, an efficient defense makes the court. They don't have to hit the quarterback to make the quarterback feel, you know, bothered in that pocket. And you saw that all night. You saw that all night, man. And and, and here's the thing, because I know we're going to talk about the Patriots. I, look, I know we try to keep it PG, but first and foremost, fuck Tom Brady, even though I respect him. I, I respect, and you know, I try, I try really not to cuss on this on this right. program. No, it's all good. F Tom Brady. Uh, but 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 I think I think I think the Patriots are gonna have they they work cut out for them on the offensive side of the ball because the way Philly can get after the ball is scary. And then Nick Foles, man, look, we've seen it before, right? Like Nick Foles had a run; he had a whole run of a season. You know what I'm saying? And then once the defense has kind of figured him out, then he became regular Joe Schmo. But he hasn't really been playing for a little while, so he's not Joe Schmo. I think he's Nick Foles, you know, with the run. But we'll see because, you know, that, that that's what Bill Belichick does. You know, he'll key on key in on a couple of guys and try to take them out. But we'll see, man. I, I, I really like what I saw from Philly, though. Um, they look like a well-oiled machine. I don't necessarily want to make the comparison, but they kind of look like the Falcons of last year going into the Super Bowl, being dominant on both sides of the ball, putting up points, getting the stops that they need. So I'm excited to see what happens. True indeed. True indeed. Uh, Ken, what's your take on that game, man? The link was jumping. Uh, you know, Minnesota jumped out to a 7-0 lead and then, you know, the hammer came down. <laughs> What'd you take away from that game? Well, for one, I was happy because that means I, I got a chance to go to bed. Well, not go to bed early, but that means I didn't have to watch the whole game. Um, you know, I was over at my father-in-law's house watching it. And once they scored, once he threw the interception, I was like, oh, Keenum's back. And then mm-hmm. uh, and they took it to the house, which was a great return, by the way. That definitely yeah, was the, um, the, the Philadelphia crowd. And, you know, they drove down the field again. And they went up 14. I was like, oh, this game's a wrap because that's way too much pressure for Nick Foles. I mean, not Nick Foles, but that's way too much pressure for uh, Case, um, Keenum. Case Keenum to deal with. Like I said, I, look, I've, I've said it on this program before. This is my first time really seeing that Philly defense, and I had a chance to see them back-to-back. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with FIFO, man. They, If they get pressure like that, they're going to present some problems for uh, – for the Patriots until the Patriots figure it out. But in the first half, they have a legit chance to kind of stay in the game. And if they can keep it up, who knows what to happen. But because them boys are getting at it the whole, the whole game. And one of the things that um, Doug Peterson did this year was he kept his guys fresh. So he basically did what pop did. So throughout most of the regular season, he was rotating players out on the defensive line. And Fletcher mm-hmm. Cott said that, by the time he got to the playoffs, he said he's fresh. He got fresh legs, so he's he's full of energy. And now he's playing like ninety percent, you know, of, of the downs. So, um, so so far that's working up, working out to their advantage, and um, and also it, you know it gave definitely the backup uh, rep. So, you know, when when they have to go in the game, they understand you know the the situation, the schemes, how to get pressure. So, for me, man, I think it was just Minnesota just came back down to earth. Obviously we can point to the Minnesota Miracle as something that just, that was their Super Bowl. That was a mm-hmm. moment in history, and they just couldn't, couldn't get over it. And there were no mer- more miracles to be had. And um, and sometimes you just have games like that where it just get away from you. 
And I think that game got away from them because the defensive categories they've won all year didn't go their way. And they didn't resemble the defense that everybody is ranting and rave. But I'll say this. I'm glad they lost. And and the, mainly because of this reason, because it reduced the narrative, one less narrative that Skip had to continue to ram Brady down our throats because he was on Twitter talking about how he wanted uh, Minnesota to win so it would be like the toughest path for Brady. It's not going to be a tough path when you face mm-hmm. Mariota Bortles and now <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm sorry. There's nothing you can do to sell right. that. Right. This is true. Yeah, this, this man has just been blessed by God to do what he's doing on, on this earth, and the only thing you do is just let it play out. So, um, so yeah, so dominant performance by Philly. I hope Peterson will get them back down to earth. And one of the things that I liked in one of his post-game interviews or his interview after the game was that um, he sounds very Belichickian where um, he focuses on, like, the next game and getting his players ready and coming down to earth and – focusing on the task at hand. So we'll see how that plays out um, because none of these guys have been here. We know Brady has been there going on his eighth time now. So, um, so yeah, good game by Philly. Uh, the Black City won. The blackest of the cities won. And um, <laughs> at least we got something out You're of something. You stupid. You stupid, boy. That's funny. Um, <laughs> uh, man, what did I take from that game? Um, much like you can, I – I think I actually turned the game off somewhere in the fourth because the game was, I mean, it was done. Uh, but I, I will say this, I think, and, and I was, I picked last week, I picked Minnesota. Um, I think, you know, they got off to such a great start, man, but Philly was flying around on defense. And I think one of the things, and, and you, you mentioned again, giving Peterson the head coach from Philadelphia credit is that he really did a good job of putting Nick Foles in position and giving him plays early to get his confidence going. It's almost like if you compare Nick Foles to a basketball player, it's almost like getting a layup on your first shot. You know what I'm saying? You get that layup to go in or get that first jumper to get knocked down an 18-footer and you start to feel a little better about yourself. And this, you know, they, they the type of offense that, that they run with this run-pass option, when they started hitting that, based on the defenses that Minnesota was in, I mean – all it is is just run pass option and your run your receivers are running slants. And Foles, you know, you could tell from the camera angles, Foles was putting it right on the money in between the linebackers, in between the safeties and the corners. And so I thought that Peterson did a good job of calling plays. Um, you know, they kept Minnesota's defense honest. And then when he got outside of the pocket, uh, you know, I don't know what Minnesota's DBs were looking at, but these receivers kept getting behind the DBs. And uh, even on that flea flicker touchdown, I mean, I've been very critical of Nick Foles, but I don't think I've seen Nick Foles throw a better pass. That pass really, I mean, uh, Torrey Smith catches it and he hits the pylon. That's the perfect place where you can throw the ball. Only Torrey Smith was going to catch that. It was he was either going to catch it or was going to go out of bounds. And hey, um, what's up? That was that was one of the best throws and pocket awarenesses that I've seen in a long time. Same that here. was definitely very Aaron Rodgers-esque. It was exactly. very Peyton, Manning, Peyton exactly. Manning-esque. It, it was it was extremely great. It was and, extremely you know, if people, I think we saw some of that 
when Nick Foles had his run a couple of years ago. And that's what made people think that he was going to be a great quarterback. And then he kind of, I don't know whether, you know, him leaving and then he ended up with the Rams and, you know, things didn't work out. And I mean, I saw, you know, some things on TV that he actually contemplated prior to the season, he actually contemplating retiring. So, you know, Nick Foles played out of his mind. And obviously I have to play like that. Uh, you know, in two weeks, and we'll we'll get in our predictions next week on, on the podcast. But uh, I thought, thought Foles was incredible. I thought that defense was incredible. And you know, once Philly got ahead, it's and I think I can't remember if I text you guys or I text you know somebody else. When you get down by you know fourteen or more points in the playoffs, it feels like thirty. You know, because you're constantly looking at the clock. The it's, it's not like a regular season game where you figure, okay, well we still got time time is of the essence because you know that the clock is your enemy. Um, so I think Philadelphia did a great job of getting on top of them and, and really just putting a hammer down on Minnesota. And, you know, Case Keenum kind of fell back into being Case Keenum. I don't necessarily attribute that interception, the pick six on him because his arm got hit. But, you know, they were able to get, because Minnesota fell behind so early, they they got him out of their game. So they, they didn't have to run the ball. So now you're asking Case Keenum to drop back and throw the ball 40 times. And, you know, unfortunately, that's not going to be a winning recipe for you. So, you know, hats off to Philly. Uh, Conversely, we move back to the AFC, man. Um, A battle between Tom Brady and the Jacksonville Jaguars. That game uh, was a whole lot closer than a lot of prognosticators thought it would be, man. But Brady prevails in the end. Uh, They give up, meaning they, as far as Jacksonville, uh, they blow a 10-point lead. I think they come back with like nine minutes or so left. Uh, some questionable <laughs> calls during the game. Uh, some questionable calls that were not made as well. And we can talk about that as well. Um, Ken, what, what did you take away from that game, man? Man. Okay. So when they were up by, when Jacksonville was up by 10, we all knew what was going to happen. Let's, let's, like, I don't know why everybody's shocked. I don't know everybody why everybody's going crazy. Like, 10 points on Brady at home in the fourth quarter is not enough. It just mm-hmm. isn't. And especially when your quarterback is Blake Bortles. And you are essentially one-dimensional. And for me, and I think I said this on Twitter, what was Doug Marone's second-half game plan? Offensively mm. and apparently defensively too, uh, because they got extremely conservative defensively, and for whatever reason they were playing zone on third and eighteen instead of man. I, I, it's oh just, I, what are you doing? I know, and I'm sure everybody in the NFL has to know that Brady will pick apart a zone. Great quarterbacks pick apart zones, and and you drop back into a zone on third and eighteen. Come on, man, like. Don't disrespect that man like that. You you can't. There's a couple. Brady's one. Breeze is one. Rogers is one. Big Ben is one. You cannot disrespect those guys like that because if there's an opening and the right play is called, they're going to find it. And I thought they were going to play man, lock them up, and and that was it. Now if they call it a pi, so be it. You know what it is. But you can't just give them a a a, a, a soft zone like the middle was soft. So, but w- once. They went up by 10, and it was the fourth quarter. I was like, it, it's over because they didn't have another. Like, they used up everything they had in the first half to get them up 14-3. And then, of course, you know what happened in the second half. 
Uh, well, going into the second half, the, the, the play of the game to me was the delay of game. And that's mm. what happens when you have blue, cause they picked up the first down and, yep. um, and, and that would have kept him off the field. The second half could have been a little bit different, but based on the way the game played out, I don't think Doug Marone really know what to do in the second half because they just tried to run the ball and they were just bringing the safety down and, and shutting everything down. And um and they didn't get aggressive. And then they started playing zone in the fourth quarter, and mm-hmm. Brady just picked them apart. And I'm sitting there thinking, like, what are y'all doing? They couldn't get pressure. They didn't bring pressure, and they just gave him all day to throw. And um so, so yeah, man, it was more, for me, can the Jags hold on um, more than, you know, the Patriots winning it because we've seen this story before. And so it's not a surprise. I wasn't in awe like everybody seemed like they are, you know, on Monday and that night. It's like, come on, man. Are you guys really like going to sit here and act like he just did something special? Because he didn't. We've seen him do it over and over again. 28 to 3 was way more special than coming back from 10 on Blake Board. Wait, wait, why, why you got to talk about shit, Ken? I'm sorry, man. I'm just, I gotta put it in perspective, man. Everybody, like, yeah, it's like he just went out there and he just, he, he just did something. Like, it's, anyway. Um, but, you know, Jacksonville had their shot, man, and they blew it. The Patriots will not give you the game. You have to no. beat them. You gotta take and, it. And when you get up, you gotta keep coming and coming and coming until you just beat them into submission. Same thing, Cal, you just said it. That's what Philly did. Like, once they got down on them, they just started stomping them in the ground. And when they had Brady reeling, they didn't, they didn't apply more pressure. And he figured it out. And we know through history, by the time we get to the third or fourth quarter, he's figured out what you're doing defensively. And if you don't have a second-half game plan against Belichick, you're going to lose, especially when – they got the refs on their side because there were a lot of calls that the Patriots got away with that should have been called pass interference that I saw that they were hit a little early and they didn't get a one. So, um, so it is what it is, man. He just, he went and did what he, what he do, man. And, um, and it's nauseating <laughs> and he's, he's back in the Super Bowl again. again. And I really got to yeah. figure out if I'm going to watch it or not. <laughs> Hey man, a lot of people have said that surprisingly. Um, FIFA, what about you, man? Uh, Brady comes back from ten in the fourth quarter. Man, it looks like something we've seen before, time and time again. What did you take away from this game, man? Man, fuck Tom Brady. <laughs> fuck Tom Brady, man. Like, this, like, look, man. I I gotta respect. I got because it's not fluky. You know what right. I'm saying? Everybody wants to call it fluky. He does it every damn year. It, yep. He has some type of miraculous comeback. Some play that only he can like. So you have to respect it. And I respect it. But just like Ken, man, I agree one thousand percent with Ken. Like the Jags had the opportunity to win the game, and and and, and they just let it go. They they they, they just blew it. They just blew it. it. It's it's almost like they didn't have enough mojo. And then down the stretch, they they were just trying to pass too much. And Blake Bortles is not that type of guy. You know, when you play with a lead against Tom Brady, you got to run that ball, man. You know, they had too, too, too many three and outs toward the end. 
Mm. Um, yes. Too many three and outs. They, they gave Tom Brady too much time, and he had three timeouts. So it, I was disappointed in Jacksonville mainly because they should have been able to close out that game, and, and, and they should have been playing in the Super Bowl. But, you know, you, you got to play 60 minutes against any Patriots yep. team that has Bill Belichick and Tom Brady on the field. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you, ju- you just have to play an entire 60 minutes. And Jacksonville didn't. Jacksonville did it, man. And, and <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I Like, watching that game, I was so dejected because I'm like, okay, Jacksonville is about to win this thing. And then just slowly but surely, <laughs> it just it became a Patriots game, man. And, and it just made me sick. So that's why I'm saying fuck Tom Brady, man. I'm, hey, I'm, I'm over the damn Patriots. Yeah, me too. And the thing about it, uh, Ralph, you, 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 you said it, man. Like, they, they passed in the wrong spots. And I'll give you one mm-hmm. example. Um, the end, like towards the end of the third quarter, I think they got the ball, and I think they ran a pass play, and the fullback dropped the ball and left five seconds on the court. Like, I mean, on on, on the clock. So mm-hmm. now you have to run another play, which was unsuccessful. And by the time the fourth quarter starts, you're in you're in a third down situation, third and, and if you don't yep. make it, right, third and long, then they get the ball back, pretty much with the with at, at the start of the game. But if you run that ball on first down, then you eat the rest of the clock for the third quarter. You go into the fourth quarter with two more downs to play with and two more downs to eat more clock and maybe get into a third and short. So, yeah, man, just situational football. Like, why would you try to pass? You should just try to get to the fourth quarter with the lead. Um, They did, but you know what I'm saying. Like, get to the fourth quarter – and have more plays to get more clock, and they didn't do it. Exactly, exactly. Because look, man, it's 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 not like you have a running back by committee. You you arguably have a top three running back back there, and Leonard Fournette. You know what I'm saying? Like this guy is a workhorse. Let him win the game. You know what I'm saying? And and, mm-hmm. and that, in that fourth quarter, man, in the last five six minutes, Blake Borders just took too many passes. They 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 they, they were trying to get. Like, look, run out the clock. Force the Patriots to use their timeouts. Don't give Tom Brady additional time. You, yeah. I just – I don't know if it's coaching that they just kind of – they start to overthink themselves or, or what happens. But it, for some reason, people just have meltdowns against the Patriots, man, it, when it comes to clock management. Well, the That's other thing point. is that – remember in the first half, uh, Grant – I think his name was Corey Grant. He was killing them. We didn't even see him uh, pretty much the rest of the game. Nope. We, we barely saw Yeldon. Like, you were killing them in the flat, and you, you didn't play him at all. He was, he was killing their linebackers. They couldn't keep up with him. He was too quick. And if you're going to throw the ball, at least try that. But they just completely abandoned what got them in the situation that they were in, and now they're at home. So y'all not winning any bitches. <laughs> B, what about you, man? What, what, what? Oh my God, B, what about you, man? What, what did you take away from this game, man? Yeah, exactly what uh, FIFA can say, man. Like you, when you have the, and, and we've seen this. Like if you've seen what the Patriots can do and make adjustments, and and, and you know when they're down, you should. They, Jacksonville should have kept that foot on that throat. All the way to the end of the freaking game. You should not have let up. Once I saw Patriots got within 10, 
I was like, okay, this game about to be over. I said, Patriots about to come back and, and win. And, you know, I think I texted y'all. I was like, I don't trust Blake Bortles in this situation with him, mm-hmm. the ball in his hands with him trying to, you know, go down the field and get a possible field goal or a touchdown. So, yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's just unfortunate. Like I said, yeah, King and people touch on a lot of stuff. But, yeah, you, you have to. Prime example, we've seen this last year. I know you hate this, Kyle. We've seen <laughs> it last year. You have to put your foot on their neck. When you got them down, man, you have to. It's, it's just proof. And I hope Philadelphia sees this, you know, or they had got, got wind of that game and see that you have to, when when they down, you have to put them boys out. Like, you cannot. Yo, and, I, and I thought Tom Coughlin was going to be three for three, man. I thought he was going to, I, I really thought for a split second that I'm like, okay, Coughlin really about to be three for three against, uh, three and oh against Brady, man, in, in postseason because the way it was looking. Them boys, they, they look like they was getting ready to get that, you know, get that win the way they was playing. And like, like people said, I don't know if coaches just get nervous and like, oh, man, it's too good to be true. We overthink. They start overthinking stuff, and it's just a wrap after that. So, <laughs> Yo, B, you, you, you know what's crazy about the Patriots, man? Them, them boys is like the Golden State Warriors. Mm-hmm. Where yep. it, it, mm-hmm. if, if, if you have them by 20 or three and a half minutes, that's still too that's, much. That's nothing. Right. That's nothing. Like they can still <laughs> overcome 20-point lead, but. <laughs> and, and, and I I don't like I I more so understand it with Golden State just because you know you got three of the best shooters in the NBA right now mm-hmm. on the same squad right right but with, but with the Patriots it's a typically it's a whole bunch of no names a couple of defensive stalwarts and Tom Brady that's it and they get it done I don't get it man I don't get it I don't get it fuck Tom Brady. You know what it is, man? I think, at least for me, and I'm the Falcon fan on here, watching this game made me relive last year's Super Bowl. Because, <laughs> I'm, I'm, and I'm being dead-ass serious, and I'm going to tell you why. Because Jacksonville, you could, if you go back, and, and I, I mean, none of us have any reason to go back and watch it, but if, you, if it's on NFL Network again, watch it. In the first quarter and a half Jacksonville they were flying around they were talking trash they were on their toes you could you could see the bounce in them and one thing that really really kind of bugged me and I didn't like it and I told I was watching game my son and I told Cameron I said one thing I don't like is that Jacksonville got the ball back after New England scored it was 55 seconds left on the clock going into halftime they had two timeouts and they got the ball on the 25 and they decided to take a knee. I understand, yeah, you're on the road. You don't want to make a mistake. But, dog, run a, run a screen, run a draw. You don't know what you may get on first. You still have two timeouts. At the very least, try to put yourself in a position where you can get points, three points. That way you don't lose any momentum. And I, I understand the, the line of thinking, but think about it like this. If, you, if you're Jacksonville and you make a couple of plays and you call a couple of timeouts and you kick a field goal, well, then that's three more points and you get the ball back in the start of the second half. Let's say you you get a touchdown or you get another three points that those you have to steal points away from the Patriots, because one thing I will say, and I don't like the Patriots. I don't like Tom Brady. I respect like people said, I respect the hell out of them. I don't like them. But one thing I do, two things I know about New England. One, Bill Belichick will be prepared. You will not be out. You you can't out prepare him. He will be prepared and his team will be prepared for every situation. The second thing that I know about New England, they're not going to beat themselves. We have I, I, I can't none. None of the four of us can name a game where New England beat themselves. And 
even in their biggest game last year where it looked like they were beating themselves. Brady throws a pick six. You know, all of these things were going going the you know the Falcons' way. They blow it. And the same thing happens to Jacksonville. I don't even put it on Blake Bortles because I think Blake Bortles, you know, he played well. He actually threw for 293 yards. But it goes back to what FIFO said. He had 26 attempts. Blake Bortles should never have 26 attempts. Never. He hadn't had 20. I don't think he's had 26 attempts all season. I could be wrong. But for him to throw for 293, that tells you right there that he's probably throwing too much because and here's the thing. you They had the lead for most of the game. If you said that they were down by 20 and he had to throw the ball a lot, then that's different. But no, nah, I, I don't put that on Blake Bortles. I put that on. I put this loss solely on the Jacksonville Jaguars coaching staff. And I think, you know, that play right before the half told me a lot about them. And they I think that they wanted to get the lead and try to hang on. And you can't play New England like that because New England is going to play you and they're going to fight you until the until it's zero zero. And and I think FIFA made a great analogy. It's just like the Warriors, but you can understand the Warriors coming back from down twenty with four minutes to go against most teams. That's not going to happen. But against New England, they're just so methodical. They just keep chipping and chipping and chipping away. And you know, in the fourth quarter, Jacksonville had you know a couple of bad breaks. You know, not only were, did they get conservative, but Miles Jack got hurt. Uh, Marcelo Darius got hurt. I think Calais Campbell went down. All three of those, and those are three of their stalwarts, they got hurt and were out at different points of time in the fourth quarter. So, you know, not having your main guys out there, I understand you got guys out there who probably, you know, weren't used to being in that position. But at the end of the day, it's Tom Brady. You know that he's not going to give up. Um, I will say this much, and I'm not, you know, a lot, a lot was made about the officiating. I will say this. One play that really drew my attention was the, the uh, fumble recovery by Miles Jack. Now, if you go back and watch the play, and I'm surprised that they did not, you know, talk about it on the telecast. Well, I'm, I'm not surprised they didn't talk about the telecast on the telecast because Tony Romo was openly rooting for New England. Um, but if you watch that replay, when Miles Jack strips, uh, I think it's Deion Lewis, of the ball, when he rolls over and he, when he actually gains possession of the ball, he's not touched. He gets up and starts running, and the refs immediately blow the whistle. At that time, I think New England, I think the Jags were up by, I want to say 10. If at the very least they they deem that he did receive the fumble that he got the you know he took the ball from or whatever like that so if that's the case really I think the officials should have let the play play out let Jack run out run down the field and if he scores if you got to bring it back bring it back but don't stop the play the reason why I say that is because scenario if Miles Jack recovers that fumble gets up and the refs don't blow the whistle he goes and scores they're up seventeen. 17 with what eight minutes left in the game you gotta like your chances if you're jacksonville now again you know like i said a lot was made of the officiating new england gets the calls i mean let's let's just keep it a buck i mean that pass interference call in the first half uh, you know was very very questionable um i think on that particular drive i think they got like 60 yards in penalties you know and new england was only penalized i think jacksonville's penalized 10 times New England once, and that was on uh, special teams. So, you know, it goes to the theory about, yeah, New England's not going to beat themselves, but they aren't going to get any flags thrown against them anyway. So I hope Philadelphia's paying attention to that too because the refs are not going to be on your side. 
But I just I found that to be interesting that nobody talked about it. But if that referee does not blow that whistle, at the very least, let the play play out. If you go to replay and replay shows that he was touched. But from what I could see, at least the angles that they showed, it didn't look to me as if Miles Jack, when he got possession of the ball, that he was touched. That's a different ball game. I'm not saying that that cost them the game because, you know, there were other plays and other circumstances that led to them losing. But, you know, I think or at least I thought that's what replay was for. But. You know, it's neither here nor there. So we got it's it's all set. Uh, the Patriots and the Philadelphia Eagles will kick it off in two weeks, and of course, we'll be giving our predictions and everything uh, leading up to that game, the Super Bowl, uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, now let's turn our attention to the NBA. Oh man, this has been oh, oh, <laughs> it's been a, a, a crazy week uh, this past week. Actually, last last day and a half has been kind of wild. A uh, couple of things I want to hit, and we, we'll, we'll take it around the room. Um, Jason Kidd got fired by the Milwaukee. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, we're hearing rumors. Uh, Stephen A. Smith and Jalen Rose went on first take today and said that they're hearing rumors that Kawhi Leonard wants out of San Antonio. And, uh, you know, Kevin Durant and Clint Capella had some words. Uh, Clint Capella, after beating um, after the Houston Rockets beat Golden State on Saturday, Clint Capella said that he thought that they were better than Golden State. Um, and Kevin Durant has some words for him as well. So let's take it back to Jason Kidd getting fired. That kind of came out of nowhere. Um, FIFO, man, I know we talked via text. What what did you what do you think about that? I mean, like, was did you see this one coming? Because it it, it kind of surprised me. <clears throat> Jay Kidd, that definitely came out the blue. Uh, I, I didn't, I didn't see that. I didn't see that coming. And you know, we we talked about it on Twitter. And there's some guy on Twitter. And he sounded crazy as hell. I won't mention his name. Um, but you know, to me, to me, I feel like in the NBA, there's phases that you have to go through to get to where you want to go to. Right. I think that when you when you decide on a rebuild project. The first matter is accumulating talent. Doesn't doesn't matter what position. Doesn't matter where they. If they can play ball and they're young and they're cheap, you get them. You draft them. You sign them. Uh, you know, you, you draft them in the second round. You get un, un, undrafted rookie. You, whatever you need to do, you get cheap talent. Once you get an accumulation of that talent, right? You want to get a head coach or somebody that can start to structure something, to have a vision, to have a plan, to, to instill an identity of that squad. Once you do that, then you move these pieces that may not fit together, that may be valuable for other franchises, and then that's when you can start to truly assess that coach, right? Jay Kidd has been there three and a half years. What, what was Milwaukee when he got there? They were a rebuild project. Right. Who the hell knew Giannis was going to be what Giannis is, right? The 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 steal or or, or the, the the person that when they drafted him that was supposed to be the guy was supposed to be Jabari, and he had two ACLs on the same knee back to back, right? So mm-hmm. what Jason Kidd has been able to instill there is a defensive identity. We're going to play hard. We're going to play scrappy, and it doesn't matter who's out there. We're we're going to do some things, right? Like like can can we all agree on that? That that at least that's what J.K. was able to do. And then once he was able to develop his talent, right? Because remember, they, they drafted uh, Chris Middleton. They drafted uh, uh, Giannis. They drafted Jabari. They traded Maker. 
they drafted Thought Maker, right? So so they're developing guys. Now they traded some pieces of Greg Monroe that they signed in free agency a couple years ago to bring in a true point guard, which they haven't had. Or they also signed or they they also drafted uh Michael Brogdon, which I really like him a combo guard, right? But now they brought in a more traditional point guard, which is only gonna help the rest of that squad. And then you get rid of the coach. So sometimes this happens in the NBA, and I don't agree with it because I feel that this is the squad that you base Jay Kidd on. Wait to the end of the season. It's not like these guys are are not playing hard for Jay Kidd. And then obviously your franchise player likes Jay Kidd. So did you even run this by him or did you just do this? You know what I'm saying? Because if you look at another franchise, and and and, and I'll and I'll really quick, the Phoenix Suns. They've been in a rebuild project for a very long time, but they understand the value of of their franchise player. And they publicly made it aware that, hey, everything we do is going to go through Devin Booker because Devin Booker is our franchise. Devin Devin Booker needs to have a say into who's going to coach this team, what direction they're going to go, because it has to it has to accommodate him. If it doesn't accommodate your best player, how do you have an identity as a squad, as an organization? So so to me, this just reeks of bad mismanagement. And and, and and you know what, man? I don't think this NBA GMing and all of this stuff is not rocket science. But you got to give coaches time after you start to really build that roster to do something. Like, it'll be a travesty to get rid of Brett Brown right now. It will be a travesty. You can't do that. You got to let these guys get the roster closer to what it's supposed to be for them to start making their runs. And Milwaukee is just now doing that. They did a disservice to J.K., man. I I do not like this move. I hate that the NBA front office, GMs, owners, they do this type of stuff. It, It just irks me. The, that that organization, they're they're responsible for acquiring pieces and drafting pieces that overlap. And, you know, to Kid's credit, he's done a good job of managing and coaching that team uh, and, and and getting them to win with, with what he had. I mean, you lose uh, your top draft pick and, you, and you're still winning. You develop the Greek freak into a, a guy that the stars, the superstars, not the stars, the superstars are, are raving about and, and looking at as a guy who has next and you're not giving kid a chance to finish the job. Like you brought him in there to clean up the mess and, and he's done that. Now you're going to bring somebody else in to, uh, to basically take credit for what he's done. This is, and look, the bucks more than likely won't go on and win the, the title anytime soon. But this reeks of of mark jackson steve kerr all over again and Mm -hmm. and one of the things that made that so problematic and and scary for me is that it did lead them to a title it did lead them to a coach that you know turns out is a good coach for the players that they have and because of that is going to potentially set a a a a chain have unintended consequences. And I think we're starting to see that Fisdale fired kid fired because he's two games above 500 with guys in and out of the lineup. Um, Earl Watson fired. If, if I'm not mistaken, the coach that 
that's taking over isn't much better than him. As a matter of fact, I know <laughs> because there was a stat in one of the articles on ESPN that showed that the coaches that have replaced the coaches that have been fired have equal or or worse records than the one that they replaced. And this is another situation where the coach that they have may not be able to take them uh, beyond where they are right now because they just have limitations with that squad. Thom Maker hasn't developed. You guys drafted him. And look and look what you got. Look what you got. Jabari Parker can't even stay on the field. Um so man, it's unfortunate, man, I, I you know, that we see another brother go down. You know, you guys know I'm pro brother and True. all the brothers are, are getting a raw deal. And it's just unfortunate, man. And and I'm with Stephen A. Smith on this. We need more black superstar players, black star players, black average players, black bench players to speak out on what's going on. Um, you, did you hear what he said today on first take? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, he he. For those of you that missed it, he made he made the uh, the the case that with these interim coaches coming in and, and some of these other coaches that could possibly get removed, that we in the NBA, as far as the NBA family, NBA fans, could there's a possibility that at the end of this season, going into next season, there could only be there may only be two black head coaches in, in the National Basketball Association. That is crazy. When I heard him say that, that's crazy when you think about it. And, and it's scary, man. And, and I'll just close with, with, with this, man. Um, the reason we, we've seen this happen, a lot of a lot of brothers get the raw deal. Monty Williams is, is one that comes to mind. With what happened, yeah, I was going to bring that, that up too. I was yeah, definitely going to bring that up. Organization didn't, didn't get any better, so um, it, it's something that we definitely need to keep our eye on, and it's something that even when it happened to him, you know, caused some of us to to look up and be like, okay, man, what's what's really going on? So, um, so yeah, man, uh, kid has proven he can coach, and I'm looking forward to him hopefully getting another another opportunity. Can into that Alvin into into that Monty Williams point. You bring in Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry has been a career journeyman head coach, and he he he's never had a true system, right? He was hyped up because of the Golden State machine, and and what type of identity? Obviously, this year they have an identity, but before the boogie trade last year, right? Like they brought him in to, 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 to really take that squad to the next level. And I think by not bringing back Monty, you, you, you took about two years back. You, you, you took that organization two years back. Monty was on the cusp of getting that squad NBA play or Western conference playoff ready with just Anthony Davis. And then let's not forget that Anthony Davis in his first four years has been really in and out of that line. I I just I I don't get why we can't exercise more patience because basketball is 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 a sensitive thing and you can definitely build on from year to year on success. And, and Monty didn't have a setback. I just, I honestly do not get it. I, I, I don't get it. You know, and, and you know what? I, 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 have, I have to give at least one organization props. I have to give OKC props because you know what? 
they allow enough rope for their own head coaches to hang themselves. Right. And I feel like that's the way it should be. You know, like you have to give them every reason not to succeed. And we can't say that of a lot of head coaches that have recently gotten fired. We can't say that. And I, I don't think it's fair. I, I honestly don't. True indeed. True indeed. I, I heard a comment, and I don't know how true it is, but Stephen A. Smith said that uh, he was told that the uh, owner of the Bucks. Uh, one of the owners of the Bucks said that, you know, they felt that this team should be, uh, you know, the top seed or at least the, at the very least the second Hell seed in the East. No. And it's not their time yet. So, you know, maybe Jay Kidd was facing some unrealistic expectations. Um, B, what about you, man? Like I said, we this came as a surprise. What did you take from this? Uh, just another another example of the bro coaches, man. Never always getting a raw deal. Getting a raw deal, man. Is going back to when Byron Scott got the raw deal after coming off of getting coach of the year <laughs> the, the previous right. season when he was with the New Orleans Hornets back then. This was before they were with the Pelicans with Chris Paul and them. Um, but yeah, man. I mean, you know, granted, I mean his record. I agree with people. Like, give. I, I think he should at least finish this season out, and then you make your decision if you want to keep Jason Kier. Firing because leading up to before his fire, his record was like 139 and 152, so it was under 500. They, you know, lost four of their last five, they went to pretty much at the 500 mark. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I, I ain't gonna really say the writing was on the wall. I don't know if it was some issues. I, I was some rumors saying that he had some, some arguments with the front office, you know, some disagreements with the front office in, in years past. So I don't know if it was just building up and they were just like, we're just gonna let you go. I don't know if it's some behind-the-scenes stuff that we don't know that's going to come out. And it really shows that the fact that they didn't even talk to their their franchise guy in Greek Freak. Um, and he was shocked about it. And uh, from what I understand, he was unhappy about it. You know, so, yeah, man, just another broad coach getting a raw deal, man. I, I, I hate it had to be kid. You know, I liked him as a player. You know, definitely a Hall of Famer and everything. I, I, I hate that it happened to him. But, you know, I, I hope it, like, I think kids said, I hope he Go and get coach, you know, get a head coaching job somewhere else, man. I hope he hope he find somewhere and get a and get a good job and, and be successful somewhere else. But yeah, it's just unfortunate, man. Bro coaches, man, always getting that raw deal, man. Yeah, man. I, 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 style. <laughs> I I there's really not much more I can add to it. I think um I think it's telling that, you know, you, we, we mentioned Giannis. Giannis was the one who broke the news to Jay Kidd that he was gonna get fired. So, I mean, like, they didn't even have the decency. And, and the word that we got, you know, on social media was that I think it was a couple of ESPN reporters and a couple of beat writer, writers, um, they reported that the news leaked to the media and and then subsequently social media. So there's a, a distinct possibility that we knew, meaning the four of us and everybody else that was on Twitter yesterday, we knew before Jason Kidd did. And I think that, I mean, that's... That's bootleg as hell, man. I just, I, I, my thing is this: anytime you fire a coach, and I don't care what sport it is, you know, can you get better, and are you going to get better with the next guy that you replace him with? And I just, you know, NFL, you know, you only get sixteen games, so you know, if you fire a guy in the fourth after the fourth game of the season, you know, you still have a chance. You know, firing a, a guy mid-season or how they did Fisdale uh, a couple of months ago in in Memphis. I just don't know that you're going to get that much better. I mean, unless, the, like I said, unless the coach just, you know, is just totally belligerent with, you know, ownership or something like that. 
play it out. We don't know what this Milwaukee team is going to be. Uh, you know, Jabari Parker still hadn't come back, so they still don't have all of the pieces. You know, can this team get to the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, probably not, but you you just you never know. You never know how things are going to play. So um, I, I'm I'm not a fan of this move. I know a lot of people said, well, you know, his look at his record. Look at his. There's a whole bunch of coaches out there with bad records. So you know, I, and and I'm partial to Jason Kidd. So I think, and this is a team that I think when we did our NBA preview, um, I was very high on. I'm still high on this team. I think this team. I think the sky's the limit for this team. They have to get better defensively. But I think some of the things sometimes these owners and this these management teams they want. You know, they want to just put the team in the microwave and, and and come out with the finished product. It doesn't work like that. Everybody can't get what Golden State had. Golden State happened to draft their guys, and their guys happened to be very good. And, oh, by the way, they happened to get the second, blessed, the second best player in the game to come play with them. So, I mean, like, you know, it, it's it's not – it's going to take time. And you, you have to give, like you said, FIFO, three years. I don't think that's enough time to give a guy really to – chance to develop his squad so we'll see what happens with milwaukee i mean you know i don't know how players are going to respond to the interim coach i don't know how players are going to respond i mean like you said uh you know Giannis was devastated by it. that's the reports that we got so you know you didn't even run this past the star player come on man that's that's not cool so we'll see how it goes um speaking of star player Kawhi leonard uh, a rumored uh, to be at odds, we know that he's had health issues with his quad injury. Um, there could be a possibility that they misdiagnosed. I think he's only played nine games this season. Um, but Jalen Rose and, and Stephen A. Smith said that they heard <laughs> that Kawhi Leonard wants out of San Antonio. B, what do you think about that, man? Now that's a shocker too, because I think when it, when I when you sent us that via text message, I think a the day before, they were saying how he was feeling a little disconnect from this organization during his injury process and everything. Him, you know, healing and getting, trying to get, because I think they shut him down for the season. But he just said he's still feeling some type of disconnect from the organization. So when you hit us with that news, I was like, wow. Like, I didn't, I didn't see that coming. You want to leave the great Greg Pop? I don't know if it's something else going on that we don't know. Or they if their future looks uncertain as an organization, I don't know. But. Yeah, uh, Kawhi Leonard wants to leave. It makes me think now. I hope we get like a huge splash before this trade deadline. Like I hope, I hope trades go crazy before this deadline. I mean, it probably won't, but like I just really, I hope just to spice up the season even more and even add more drama to this season because it's been drama since before the season started. And mm-hmm. like, if we get like a really crazy uh, trade, like teams just splashing all over the place with trades. I, I would love it. So that's what I, I thought about that. When I saw that Kawhi wanted out, I'm like, oh, man. Like, And I think LaMarcus Aldridge wanted out as well. I think yeah, he, he, he did at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like, you know, now I wonder how he feels now that Kawhi Leonard wants out. Where 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 will Kawhi Leonard go? Like, what team would be willing to pick him up? You know what I'm saying? So it was a shocker. Now, that was definitely a shocker. I was just like, what? Like, this dude want to leave the Spurs and – I guess just abandon whatever game plan or whatever uh, future that that the Spurs had in mind with Kawhi Leonard. Um, so yeah, that's interesting, man. Like uh, it just really makes me look forward to the trade deadline if the Spurs are willing to do that. Which I don't know if they probably be able to trade anything for him because I think if they're gonna shut him down for the remainder of the season, I can't think of a team that's gonna want him. 
you know, especially te- a playoff, a team that's pushing the playoffs or a right. team that's, you know, that's in a good position of making a run in the playoffs. I don't see why they would get Kawhi Leonard and they got to sit him for the remainder of the season anyway. So that's going to be interesting. But, yeah, it was definitely a shocker for me. Right now, I think they they have him as listed as out indefinitely. I don't think they've officially shut him down for the season, but they don't have any timetable for his return right now. Um, so, yeah, you, you're right. It, it would be interesting, especially come tr- uh, around the trade deadline, which which will be coming up on pretty soon here. Um, Ken, what about you, man? Uh, y- your thoughts on the rumors or the, the, the accusations that Kawhi Leonard may want out of San Antonio? Man, quite an assassin indeed, man. Um I this is this is new. This is all new to me, man. I'm not used to this. But I think the biggest takeaway that well no, I, I can't even say that. Because they drafted Kawhi Leonard. I was I was gonna say that um that the Spurs t- just do better just drafting their guys and developing them. But and and the reason why I was gonna say this is because of Lamarcus Aldridge, but Hey man, I, I read a story that said that um that Pop and the organization told Lamarcus, "Nah, we're not trading you. You're gonna have to sit here and make it work." And um and they met with Pop, and he and Pop had a heart to heart, and Pop realized that there were some things that he had to change, and Lamarcus did as well, and and here here we are, and um and and for me, th- this news about Kawhi is like, dude, like you need to show some respect. You need to show some respect because if it wasn't for Pop, you wouldn't even be in the league. You would, you or, or you'd be on the bench somewhere because you have talent. But Pop helped develop you into the guy you are, and here you are about to pack up. You want to pack up and leave, and go for presumably greener pastures. Man, get all the way out of here. But you know he got a ring, and maybe he feels like he can, he can go do better elsewhere or maybe wants to go to a bigger market market we we're not sure but um but man like you you're in a you're in a great situation and i ju- i just don't understand it but i think this is probably just this new nba that that we're in so we'll, we'll see how how it pans out and we'll finally get an answer to our question is it Kawhi or is it the system and, you know, I already had that debate like a couple of years right. ago on, on DES. So uh, if he indeed leaves, we'll, we'll get an answer to that. True indeed. True indeed. FIFO, man. Uh, what's your take on it? Kawhi possibly wanting to leave San Antonio? I think that's extremely interesting. Um, I, I just think that it's it's frustrations mounting. You know, if you look at the Spurs organization, the, the, look, man, they, they've been dealing with a whole bunch of old dusty dudes and, you know, being able to polish them up and get them to make playoff runs and championship runs and all of this that I don't think they understand how to deal with a Kawhi Leonard injury. You know, they, they, he's not 38, you know, with two years to, to go on. Uh, it, this man is how old is Kawhi? Ka- Kawhi has to be under 26. He's like 27. 20s, yeah, yeah, probably about like 26. <laughs> You know, 26, 27 max. So I, I understand that they always err on the side of caution. But this guy's a stud. And if he says, I can go, you, you got to let him go. You know what I'm saying? I understand, you know, giving him his rest and this, that, whatever. But honestly, I think it comes down to just frustration. I think he wants to play. And the Spurs don't want him to play because obviously he's, he's a very valuable investment. 
So, you know, I, I think that's where that disconnect is coming from. And I, I don't know how they meet in the middle. But you, I, I think that if I'm the Spurs, I'm letting Kawhi play. Um, I think even even the great Kobe Bryant got so frustrated to the point he went on live radio and said he wanted to be traded. So, so to me, this... The, Somebody wanting to be traded because of things not going their way is not nothing. It's not anything new to me. So I'm not. I'm not jumping off of the deep end. I just think he's extremely frustrated. He wants to play. He's out indefinitely. And and Pop came out and said that doesn't mean he's out for the season. It just means he's out indefinitely. We don't know when he's going to come back. So you know, I, I just think it's very interesting. I think Ken is 100% right. If they do trade him, which I highly doubt, you're not going to trade Kawhi Leonard because you're not going to get equal value in return. But if they do trade him, you know, we will find out, is it Kawhi or is it the system? I think Kawhi's skill set has caught up um, to the point where the system helps him, but he no longer needs the system. I, right. I think he's proven enough. I've, I've watched enough of Kawhi. He's grown and matured his game enough skillfully to the point where he could create his own shot. He could create his own separation. I think the system, what it allows is for him to understand where everybody else is going to be. And, you know, Pop said this a couple of years ago. Um, he said that Kawhi took one of those final steps in his maturation when he understood that when they call a play for him, it's not always for him to score the ball. It's it's for him to, to make a play, you know, and, 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 and seeing that, right, you see his skill set develop where now he's more of a playmaker, where now he's more of a shot creator for himself and others. So for, I, I think he can survive without the system. I just, it would be interesting to see what it looks like without it, you know, because then does he become an ISO heavy guy? You know, like what, like what, what does he look like without it? I think he's still going to get, you know, low to 20. I still think he, I think physically he can do that. Defensively, it doesn't matter where you put him in. He's he's gonna be a top guy. So so is he gonna be successful? Yes. How successful? We don't know. But he, he he's gonna get his numbers. So I'm not worried about that. We're just gonna see. Can he be the LeBron? Right? Like, can he be the one guy that just changes any team that he goes to? I think that's more so the question. You know, uh, versus is it him or the system? You know, I, it's more so how much of a guy is Kawhi now? Because he's a guy. We just don't know, is he KD or is he, I don't have another person right now to compare him to. But, you know, I think that's that's kind of sort of the, the question that will get answered. True indeed, true indeed. Um, <clears throat> I think uh, this came as a surprise because uh, we don't know Kawhi. First of all, first and foremost, Kawhi Leonard doesn't talk a lot. So we don't know him to be any type of guy that would be, you know, asking for this or asking for that. Um, I think you guys touched on some great points. I think it's, you know, it from what we can hear, it sounds like frustration and rightfully so. I mean, he's watching his team play night in and night out and he's not being able to contribute to what it is that they're doing. Um, that being said, uh, I it's. I didn't necessarily want to agree with Stephen A. and Jalen in, in their assessment of it. But if you think about it, I think they make some decent points uh, in the fact that, you know, when we start talking about, you know, guys wanting to come here or go go here, or play there, you know, it's always New York or it's L.A. or it's, you know, Cleveland or wherever the case may be. You don't hear anybody saying, hey, let's go to San Antonio. You know, and maybe he's looking at it. And like you said, people, they they do have a they've got some great young players, 
but they're young. I mean, you know, but you they've got some old dusty guys like Manu and Gasol and, you know, uh, Tony Parker's now coming off the bench. And, you know, Kawhi may be looking around like, can I win with these guys? Can I, yeah, I can get we can get 50 wins and we can get to the second round and get knocked out by Golden State or, you know, or Houston or somebody like that. You know, we can't get to the finals with these guys. And maybe he's looking at that. I don't know. Um, I'm going to be interested because this is the first time that we've heard any waves being made under Greg Popovich. Um, you know, we we did hear a couple of weeks ago about uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, in confidence went to Greg Popovich at the beginning of the season and asked to be traded. And this news just came out. In fact, I think they both leaked it out, you know, that that was the discussion they had. And they came to an agreement. You know, they I think LaMarcus Aldridge was kind of, you know, confused about what his role was going to be or what have you. Um, but, you know, we've never heard about a player necessarily being disgruntled under pop system. And so um, especially a superstar, because think about it for the last 20 years, the face of the franchise was, you know, Tim Duncan, Tim Duncan wasn't, wasn't going to make any waves. Pop could treat him like, you know, the, the last man on the bench and everybody else would fall suit, you know, because Tim, Tim Duncan was, you know, ride or die guy for that franchise. So, uh, you know, we haven't seen this type of thing happen. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see what goes next. Um, you know, at, at some point, Kawhi Leonard is going to have to hit the floor for the San Antonio Spurs. And I think, you know, a lot of this stuff probably will die down once he does. But until then, you know, rumors and innuendo are going to spread and circulate. And, um, you know, they better be prepared because, you know, it, it's it's coming it's coming and people are really going to be looking forward to seeing what happens and what people have to say. Uh, as far as uh, Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant had something to say. Uh, Clint Capella, uh, fresh off the win, uh, his Rockets beat uh, Golden State uh, on this past Saturday night. Um, Clint Capella said that, hey, you know, they they felt confident and he said he felt that that, you know, that they were a better team than Golden State. Uh, Kevin Durant replied, uh, quote, and I quote. They should feel confident. Obviously, we're confident. We feel as though we're the best team in the league. We can beat anyone as well. Uh, then he went a step further. He said, you hear from guys like Capella. Usually he's catching the ball and laying it up from Chris Paul or James Harden. His job is not as hard. When your job is hard, you know you can't just say out and you, you know that you just can't come out and say some shit like that. And he also went on to say, I don't expect that from Chris Paul or James Harden or Trevor Reza or the rest of the guys because they know how hard it is to come come out every night and play ball. Capella, a guy like that who can just catch and dunk every other night, it's pretty easy. Close quote. KD talking trash. Uh, B, what did you what did you take from that? Yeah, easy, huh? Say the says the guy that went to damn a seventy three win <laughs> Golden State team. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying, Ken? Like, Man. wow. <laughs> what you say? Wow. No, I'm 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 with you, dog. <laughs> like, yeah, it's like how you gonna how you gonna throw salt on him? Talking about he got it easy when we saw what you did. You know what I'm saying? You went to you went to a 73 win team because they couldn't beat LeBron. Oh my God. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's 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 funny. I mean, it's always good to see guys trash talk, but just. I don't know the way he worded that, and 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 you know, and and my man, what's his name? The guy, the uh, the dad, what's his name? Clint Capella. Clint Capella. Yeah, he, he he played a good game. He didn't. Yeah, he do, did. He did. He didn't do no get the ball and dunk. He was putting in work. He was he was showing good footwork. 
He was doing, he was slashing to the basket, moving, everything. So, yeah, man, like he did that against them. He wasn't just catching and dunking against Golden State. He was actually putting in work. He was actually a third, a third option in the threat offensively for them. And he's normally a defensive threat for him. But yeah, man, I, when I saw that, I'm like, come on, Katie. Really, Katie? Like, dude, you went, you, you tucked in. Not only that you shut down after being up 3-1 against the Golden State Warriors and didn't finish him off, you went and joined them. So it's like, come on, stop it, Katie. Stop <laughs> it. FIFA, what about you, man? What, what did you make of this, this quote-unquote beef that they had in the media? Man, I, you know, I don't, I don't like this tough guy version of KD. Because all of a sudden, it seems corny, talk, don't it, Ralph? Don't, it, don't it come off corny? Hella, hella corny. Because you yeah. know what? He wasn't talking all this smack when he was rolling with Russell Westbrook and James Harden. You know what I'm saying? Like you, like mm. you wasn't talking all this smack in OKC. Now all mm. of a sudden, oh, you, you get the Cali. Like now, 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 now you a real thug. You a blood or a crit, huh? <laughs> like you, you just talk hella crap to everybody. You get a championship, and now you that just give you that just give you the ticket <gasps> to say whatever you want to whoever you want, however you want. Come on, KD, with your fake Twitter accounts and stuff, man. Come on, KD. Come on. <laughs> you you had the most cupcake move of 2016-17, bro. Like what? Like what is you talking? You he has no right to be calling out nobody. No right, bro. Look, man. You was up. 3-1 on the squad that you're playing for now. And that's who you decide to sign with in the offseason. Even though I knew it was coming. I was trying to tell y'all, trying to prepare y'all for it. I knew it was coming. But then now, all of a sudden, you're a tough guy for that? Come on, KD. Shut the hell up. Be the easy money sniper that you are. Bang threes in people's mouth in transition. And let your game do the talking. If you want to talk smack, Keep it on the court. All his media stuff, man. KD to me, he's diminishing his brand by the by, by, by the comments. Every time this man opens his mouth to make a comment, a beef, uh, I'm critiquing this guy. That, come, KD, bro, just keep it to basketball. Just keep it to basketball. Because if somebody really want to chomp you out and call you out. Like you're the easiest target, dog. And then, you know, I'm I'm gonna just, I'm gonna just leave it right there because I, I can go all day. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna just leave it right there. What about you, Ken? What, what did you take from that? Um, <laughs> man, yo, B, you right, man. Clint, Clint Capella has improved this game a lot. Like yeah. I, I he, like he's shooting free throws and and everything. It's it's nuts, man. So he just. Yeah. I mean, he has a role and he plays his role, but he's improved his game beyond that role. He just plays within the the confines of what the the Rockets want them to play. Now he'll never be a KD, but um, but man, I, I I really honestly don't have much to add to that. I mean, you, you can't sit up here and criticize or or cause something somebody else do easy when you wouldn't have gotten the title if you didn't do what you did. Um, that just the irony in that statement just just crazy. But I'm, I'm with I'm with FIFO man. Like I don't like tough KD. I don't like or trash talking KD because he tried to be tough before when everybody said he was you know nice and this that. And that. Then he started to try to you know get all nasty. I mean with with the you know at the press conferences and the interviews and stuff like that. And now 
you know, he's on the squad and he just likes to talk talk a bunch of crap and just show up people. It's just it's just it's just I don't know, man. It it makes it hard to root for him. And 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 I love him so much as a player, man. Like he's one of my favorite players to watch. It's just the way that he carries himself now is just really rubbing me the wrong way because I follow your whole career. Like I watched you at Texas. Like I know who you are, dog. So like why are you trying to be somebody else now? Um so, you know, that's that's difficult, but um nevertheless, man, hey man, I, I, I love it, man. Like the trash talking is great because you already know this next game is gonna be lit. Mm-hmm. And if they meet each other in the playoffs, it's and they be will <laughs> even more off the chain. But until you beat them, I would suggest you kind of be quiet. Sneak up on the on the giant. Don't I mean, I mean there's a couple of ways you can you can go about it. And maybe they just want to knock down the door and say, "Yo, we here." Instead of, you know, sneaking up behind them. So if if that's how they if that's how they feel, then that's how they feel, but um I'd rather see them talk a lot of crap until they beat them because those words could come back to bite you. Ask Jalen Ramsey. I mean, I'm sorry, Sassy Ramsey. <laughs> I think um I think I'm with you guys. I'm not a fan of the talking and all of that stuff. Like, leave that for the court. You know, talking to the me, talking trash in the media. Uh, I'm not a fan of that. I get what KD was saying. Yeah, no, Clint Capella's not basically called Clint Capella. And my and my interpretation is, um, he called Clint Capella a bum, and he basically said, like, look, you ain't on this level to be talking about we better than this team or we better than that team because you're not on my level. I don't expect this from guys who actually ball because guys who ball like Trevor Reza, James Harden, uh, Chris Paul, you know, they know what time it is and you don't. And so that's what I took from that. But and and he wasn't wrong in that statement. Clint Capella probably shouldn't be saying, yeah, we're better than the Warriors. That being said, Katie ain't the one to say this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anybody else could say that. Kevin Durant, you can't say it because you are the guy who, like B said, I mean, come on, man. If if somebody somebody really wanted to clap back at you, the clap back would be unreal, and everybody will fall in line because they saw what you did. So, you know, you, you're not in a position to be the one to call somebody out. Um, speaking of calling out, <laughs> great segue. Uh, it, it feels like we come on here and talk about Cleveland every week. It, it, folks, it's not our intention. But more drama this past week for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Um, this past Saturday, they had a game against uh, Oklahoma City where they got blown the hell out, 148 to 124. Um, during that loss, uh, uh, Kevin Love, I think he only played three minutes, checked out, and left the arena. Uh, he wasn't feeling good. He blamed it on an illness and missed the following day's practice. Um which led to the Cavs, well, not him missing the game, but the blowout and these losses that they've had led to the Cavs having a players-only meeting, well, excuse me, a team meeting because uh, Tyrone Lue was there, um, a team meeting where they cleared the air and, uh, you know, they got some things out. Allegedly, it's, it's being reported now that Isaiah Thomas actually uh, questioned the legitimacy of Kevin Love's illness. Um you know, that led him to leave or whatever like that. Um, so it looks like, you know, the Cavs have problems on and off the court. FIFO, man, what the hell's wrong with the Cavs, man? Oh, man. 
Man, 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 man. Keen ass cracking up. Right. Yo. Let, let's first first and foremost, let's adjust the elephant in the room. How do you give up one fifty in regulation? I don't know. Like, like, how, how, like, like how many? And people, this one time game. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so let me let, let me do the math. One fifty divided by four. Man, you giving up damn near forty points a damn quarterback. What the? What type of? Look. I want to say, and and I not to cut you off. I I think, and I'll, I'll have to go back and look, but. I think when they when the fourth quarter started, I think OKC had like one ten, something like that. That is ridiculous. You know, I I think I think the best way to to sum up what's happening with the Cavs is how Isaiah Thomas answered the question when when they asked him what was the mm-hmm. difference between the Celtics and this Cavs team, and he said, first of all, we play defense and we play hard. We played hard, you know, uh, with Brad Stevens. So what that what that tells me is that Ty Lue doesn't have the ear of the squad anymore. Um, and just because he may have LeBron James endorsement doesn't mean that he's the right coach for this situation any, any longer. Uh, uh, I like Ty Lue. Um, but you know, coaching LeBron James and, and, and managing championship expectations is extremely difficult, and not every coach is necessarily cut out for that. And unfortunately, LeBron has only had in his career, I think, one coach that was cut out for that, and he won two titles in South Beach, and I think that coach is Eric Spoelstra, Ty Lue, Black, uh, uh, Mike Brown before that. Uh, uh, Paul Silas is rookie. Like none of these guys are the type of coach that is going to help get you over that hump. And again, I'm going to readdress that was on Twitter. I'm not going to mention his name. <laughs> you, he was talking about having a collection of talent, right? Ask Dell Harris what that what that feels like to have five All Stars or four All Stars on that Laker team. Nick Van Exel, Eddie Jones, Kobe Bryant, uh, uh, Eldon Campbell, Shaq, and you guys losing the first round. It doesn't matter how many guys you have, because without the right coach, that's not going to propel you over the top. You you can have five All Stars on a squad, and you run into a Popovich with one or two guys, and you will lose. It happens all the time. It doesn't matter how much talent you have. Now, I'm not saying that. Talent acquisition is not important. Of course, you need to have the talent, but you also need to have the coach to put all of that, to put the seasoning together. You need to have the cook. The coach is the cook. Larry not Brown. every cook cooks well. You know what I'm saying? Larry Brown so, with the Pistons? Larry Brown with the Pistons. Larry Brown with the with Philly. Mm-hmm. You, come on, man. Them boys had AI. And, 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 and name me three other guys. Oh, wait. Eric Snow, George Lynch. Go ahead, name me one. Matt Geiger, because he, he looked like something. But come on now, come on now. That that's right. that's squad. Look, man. What what what's wrong with Cleveland right now is that this team was bought, and they're the oldest team in the NBA now. And I always say, there's only two ways that you can compete for a championship: you either build your team or you buy your team. Mm-hmm. And it's harder when you buy your team because that camaraderie, that chemistry, 
it, it's it's manufactured versus it being organic. And that's and that's the difference that we're watching right now, right? We're, we're seeing a manufactured chemistry, and that is extremely difficult to have to get everybody on the same page, especially when you have an all star. And, and Isaiah Thomas that finished third in MVP voting last year, and and he's just coming back from injury. You have a Kevin Love, you have Tristan that's now on the trade block. Obviously, you have all, um, you, you you traded for uh, uh, Jay Crowder. You know, saying J.R. Smith is a starting as uh, a starting shooting guard, and, and he had a two or three game stretch where he didn't even score a bucket, didn't mm. even score a point, didn't register a point. There's no way that a starting shooting guard in the NBA should score as many points. As I have in my NBA career, and I, <laughs> let me tell you, I have not been drafted. I never signed an NBA contract. That is a problem. They have more problems, and the main one is on the defensive side. So, so, so again, all of this boils back down to Ty Loop, and I think that they have to make a move if they want to try to make a championship run this year. But the GM in me says, you know what? Let's stand pat. If LeBron wants to leave, that's cool. If Isaiah Thomas leaves, that's cool. We'll trade K. Lovnick in this offseason. We still have a high pick with uh, the Brooklyn pick. Obviously, it's not going to be a top three pick because Brooklyn is actually pretty decent. Uh, right. they got some young talent now. But to me, you have to rebuild. And I don't think that you can trust LeBron. I think at this point, Dan Gilbert and, 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 and that – Management staff there, the organization, they, they have to let this go. The window is now closed because you're you're competing against Golden State and you're not better than Golden State. And I don't know who you can get right now. Mm. If I could just pick any person and add them to this roster, who makes them better to beat Golden State? There's not a player in the NBA to do that right Facts. now. So with that being said, you, you kind of have to let this window evaporate and you have to take the route of a Golden State, you know, five, six, seven years ago now, the route of a Boston, you know, because if you look at Boston, they're technically still rebuilding. They still have a lot of rookie contracts on that roster, but they had. But before they did, before Danny Ames did anything, what did he do? He went and got his coach. He went and got the blueprint. He went and got the foundation. And that's what Cleveland has to do. They got to move on from Ty Lue. They got to move on from LeBron. LeBron era in Cleveland is over. I don't think he's coming back. And, and, and you just got to start fresh, man. And, and, and unfortunately, it is what it is. Uh, LeBron is not going to win another championship. And I and, 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 and I told y'all, I don't know if I said it on Twitter, but I know I definitely told y'all on text. They're not making it out of the East, man. They're not making it out of the East. I'm telling you right now. Everybody that is in the podcast, they – Cle- the Cleveland Cavaliers, in my estimation, as if the playoffs started right now, they are not making it out the East. And even at the end of the season, I don't see what they're going to do to 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 make this a better situation. They are not making it out the East, man. Yeah, man. LeBron said the other day that if the playoffs started, he said they they wouldn't make it out of the first round. He said they'd get bounced out of the first round. And of course, you know he, but he was. That, but he was on his playoffs tip. He was just like, nah, don't ask me about the playoffs. He was like, we got so much more to do before we get to that point. Um, B, what, what's your take on it, man? Um, these guys got beef. They, they can't work together on the court and some disconnect off the court, man. What, what's wrong with the Cavs? B. Oh, my bad. There he is. There he is. Okay. 
I was listening to this Wayne song that uh, Mike was just texting about. I had to mute the microphone. But um, you said what's wrong, Cal? Yeah. Uh, for one, they're playing like JV defense, junior varsity mm-hmm. defense. I don't know. I've been saying this for a minute. They don't play any defense. And at first, I was still giving up, you know, still like holding on to hope. Like, you know what? Cavs can still, with the will of LeBron, they can still come out the East. I'm with people now, man. I don't think these guys can come out the East. I, I think this is going to be the streak that breaks when LeBron don't play in the finals. I think this is going to be the first time in, what, eight years, seven years that LeBron James don't play in the NBA finals. Uh, this this Cavs team is a mess. They they are really a mess. And and we be heading into February, and these guys are looking a hot bleeping mess. I would be shocked if they turn this thing around and go on like a win twelve out of your out of your next fifteen games or something like that. They are a mess. And then funny that you, did y'all peep that David Black uh comment. That was so yeah. Hilarious. I saw it. <laughs> took a shot at, at his old team, man. Like what a what a great way to take a shot at your. At your old team after getting put put up 100 damn near 150 points in in a regulation game, not overtime game, but regulation. But yeah, man, look, it's, this is just a mess, man. I mean, and and this is the stuff that we're seeing. I can't right. imagine what's being said behind those closed doors in those locker rooms, you know, in these meetings. Like every like it, that, I always look at that in perspective. Like it's like, man, like you know, it's just like if we if we're seeing this stuff. What else is going on, you know, in, in behind those doors, man? But um, yeah, it's they're a mess. They just a mess. If they continue to go at this at this pace and not play any defense, yeah, they they they're gonna get ounced out ounced by either Toronto or Boston. And I don't even trust Toronto when it comes to postseason. <laughs> right now, Toronto look like they can take out the Cavs in the seven game series right now, man. So yeah, man, it, it, it's it's it's. It's bad. It's really bad. If you a Cavs fan, a lot of Cavs fans is kind of quiet, man. Big Stowe, where you at, man? Big Stowe been quiet. You see Big Stowe is wearing that Cavs flag high. But Big Stowe has been quiet, man. Like, he is on quiet right now, man. He, he can't get right. That's what he on right now. He can't get right. <laughs> he quiet like him. Ken, what about you, man? Uh, we know that you have close ties to the Cavs, you know, with your close personal relationship with D-Wade. Um, what's going on? You know something we don't know. Hey, Ken, before you go, mm-hmm. um, it, w- it was just reported on Bleacher Report that Ty Lue is saying that he's going to change the starting lineup but will not reveal what they are going to be. Wade, Wade's coming in. Um, what, for JR? I agree. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Got to get him out of there. Oh, yeah. You, you, mm-hmm. you whine and, and complain about not being the starter. You mope and... That's what you do. Yeah, yeah but didn't they do that before? Didn't, didn't didn't D Wade start off initially, and then he he did he right? did he was the starter, okay. and Jr. Smith was upset because according to Stephen A. Smith, Jr. spent this whole offseason working on his game. I haven't seen it um, <laughs> to get better, and and but expecting to be the starter, then Wade comes there, and then all of a sudden he's not the starter anymore. He starts moping and pouting. And they, you know, Wade was like, "All right, man, fine, you can have it, whatever." You know, um, and he steps back, and then Jr. get a chance to start, and he's playing like garbage. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can't do that. They, I mean, what's going on with the Cavs is the Cavs just they suck. Let's just call it what it is. They flat out suck. 
And I watched, I was sitting here while we were doing the show and I had the game on and like the 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 John Murray, man, yo, man, like he he he, mm, he was he killing play. them boys. He can play. Like he was all over the court. Now he's young, he got them young legs, so he, he you know, he's a little bit more spry than than the Cavs, but the the Spurs had more chemistry. Pop, pop at his age, sixty something, when um when LeBron when Javante when Murray was guarding LeBron, he was still on the sideline coaching him how to how to D him up. You know, and when LeBron had the ball down and he had his hand, he was like, keep your hands out to the side to take away the pass lane. And then when LeBron did something, I he told him to get your hand like if you watch it, he's literally telling him what to do on the sideline. Like he's coaching him up and telling him how to play LeBron. And 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 it goes back to what like when the season kicked off, check my timeline. When they started losing, hashtag fire Lou. Call for this early. And then they won eighteen of nineteen. Then now they're losing him. Like, all right, is it back? Is hashtag fire Lou back? Because um and I think people either said this on Twitter or I think it was Twitter, he's just not a championship coach. And and we're seeing that. You have Okay, but but what's what's the difference between Ty the the Ty Lou that led the the, the, the team to help come back from, you know, down three one to the Warriors to the Ty Lue right now. That that three one comeback had l- little to do with Ty Lue and more so to do with LeBron and Kyrie saying yep. you're not gonna lose. Yep. That 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 that's what that came down to. Because if you look at the, the pivotal plays that turned all of those games around that they had to win in succession, it was at the hands of LeBron or Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Those like w- what was that one game where they both scored like forty some points? Yeah. How yeah. often does that happen? Like yeah. like we we never seen Scotty and Jordan do that. We hadn't even really seen LeBron and D Wade do that. Both of them scored thirty five plus in a game. That does LeBron and Kyrie saying we're not gonna lose, and 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 that's the reason why they won. Now I will give credit where it's due, and his his fingerprints were all over the defense, and he was able to manage those personalities on that team to get them to perform at a certain level, but the execution, the, 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 the managing of, of what's happening was primarily LeBron and Kyrie. And that's who I'm going to give the majority of the credit to in that comeback. Okay. Yep. It wasn't him because they were down three, one, and then they were down three, one again. Like what improved from year one to year two, you know, um, and the difference between year one and year two was LeBron and Kyrie didn't have the chemistry they had the first year they won the title. Now, and that's been reported. When you look at the Cavs team, and when I was watching them play tonight, they have no chemistry. They don't trust mm. each other. Um, they don't know where to be. They they have no consistency in playing together at all. And they just look flat out lost. They don't play hard at all. Like their rotations are soft. Um, their defensive soft, like they they're playing like some privileged uh, veterans and guys that think that they could turn it on. I, I'm telling you guys right now, man. I, I have no sources on this. Jay Crowder does not want to be there. There was a look on Ortiz's face tonight that told me that he doesn't want to be there mm. because it's not the environment that he's used to. He got spoiled in Boston, and when he made those comments about Bo- about uh, the difference between Boston and Cleveland, that that told me everything I need, I needed to know, and really this comes down to effort and and a desire to win. 
they were happy and content in Boston. They don't care about playing with LeBron because they felt at some point they were going to beat him anyway. And mm. I think we're also learning that um, that IT is really a guy that that's meant to be on a team like Boston. He's not really meant to be on a team like this unless it's a team like the Spurs where he can be Patty Mills and he can, he can kind of fit within the system. But IT – and he has a coach that I'm making fit in the system where he'll be gone. But IT is a guy that he needs to be the guy. And he's not the guy here. And to be frank, they were better without him. They're better when mm. Kyle Corver's on the court. Mm. They're better when it's, it's the one two punches LeBron and Kevin Love and everybody else fall in line. They don't need Jay Crowder because he don't play with any effort. His minutes are, are down and all over the place, and I don't think he's happy with it. Like, they're a complete mess, man. And this whole emotional meeting and all this other stuff, <laughs> you have that, and then you go out and you lose by, by 12, and LeBron's smiling because he got 30 points. You know, the um, I'm sorry, the young king. Like, what is that? So, they, they – they they gotta make some moves, man. Like there are times when the second unit play better than than the first unit, when Dwayne Wade I, I, I and Rose are out there. I agree. Yeah, and and that's where I thought when they were on that eighteen nineteen game winning streak, the eighteen of nineteen, when they were playing like that, that's when I thought, oh, they got one, they got one there. But nah, man, um, they never should have traded Kyrie. They should have pulled the Spurs. And they should have somehow managed to make that work. LeBron, Lou, uh, management should have just really had to sit down in a heart-to-heart of coming to Jesus meeting and and got that right. And if Kyrie wanted to – huh? I can honestly – I I think – I don't think that they would have been able to make it work, man, honestly, because because you got to – Kyrie is one of those dudes that is an immense talent, and he knows it. And as good as he is, right? Like LeBron is still the best basketball player on the planet. There, 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 there's no, there, there's no second guessing. There's no questioning what everything LeBron can do. And I think when you feel that you're that great and you're in the shadow of somebody, I'm either going to get you're going to trade me now. Or I'm going to make it so unbearable that you're going to want to trade me and then you're going to devalue me. And I'm going to leave anyway. So you might as well get something for me now. I, I don't think that they would that they would have been able to make it work. I think that what we're seeing now with IT and Jay Crowder and some of the new additions, how they don't want to be there, it would have been way worse with Kyrie there because Kyrie has personal relationships Everybody there. These guys are still trying to ingratiate themselves to the other teammates. Like Kyrie was, you know, from the reports that I've read and stuff like that, they say that like Jr. was close to Ky- like everybody was close to Kyrie. So I, I, I don't see that working. I, I like I think that Cleveland did what they needed to do, and I think what they got in return was really good. Uh, but at the end of the day, again, they have bought their championship squad, and I feel that. At least seventy percent of your team needs to be built, not bought. Well, mm. uh, and I think you're you're right, then, man. It's just Lou Lou has not asserted himself uh, on this team. Period. And you, 
Period. Yeah, it, you, I, 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 I think he has, but I think that when you're, again, like managing championship expectations, when you have a guy like LeBron James, your coach has to have enough cachet to match that. You know what I'm saying? And, and 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 Eric Spostra, right? Like, just the name doesn't have enough cachet. But when you are hand selected by Pat Riley, that gives you enough cachet. And we and we saw it, right? Like we saw it. Name me name me another coach that LeBron has had in the NBA regular season that has a that has had enough cachet, right? To 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 manage everything. He hasn't had that. He so, hasn't had that, and I think that that's a problem. So Brad Stevens has it, or he just has yes. a young group of guys? Because Brad Bra- Stevens, they Brad had a cachet Ste- coming in, in the NBA. He well, did He's he coaching different players, though, he does, he's, and he doesn't have the players that Cleveland has. Um, so nope. I, I get I, I get where FIFO is coming from. I think, you know, like you said, handpicked by, by Pat Riley, you know that LeBron, LeBron – first and foremost, LeBron going to Miami – you know, a lot of that had to do with what Miami was doing, but also his love and respect. Spo, Pat Riley. He didn't respect. Well, it, maybe not initially, but the thing was was that he, LeBron, LeBron couldn't come in and necessarily throw his weight around because it was D Wade's teams. So he fell in line the first year and then kind of ingratiated himself after that. Uh, I, I agree with FIFA. I think you know, it, I don't. I, I stopped short of necessarily blaming T. Lou for this for all of this what they're not doing. But I mean, like he, I'll put it like this. Tyron Lue at this point is not helping himself because I read a quote that he said or earlier today. He said, you know, we can have team meetings all we want. Uh, you know, if we don't do anything on the court, then it's just talking. And then you go out, like you said, Ken, and they lose by 12. I'm looking at the box score and FIFO to your point, J.R. Smith paid 29 minutes, 0 for 4 from the, from, um, from the field, 0 for 3 from 3 point range, zero points. Wow. So, yeah maybe you do need to make a change because, and I look at D Wade's numbers, D Wade finished with 12 points in 18 minutes, six of eight from the floor. Uh, he had six rebounds and two assists. Um, but no, you can't be a starter putting up zero points. Kevin Love, since Isaiah Thomas has come into the fold, Kevin Love, his numbers are down. I mean, it's right here. He's got 10 points, 11 assists, uh, you know, in this game tonight against San Antonio. A game that was on the road, but again, to T. Lou's, you know, statement, yeah, you can't have team meetings and then go out there and lay an egg. And, you know, while people will celebrate LeBron for, you know, reaching 30,000 points tonight, um, you know, this is still, it's another loss. And this this team, like you said, FIFA, I think chemistry is a huge issue. And when you buy a team like that, you know, it, sometimes that's, you know, the the the, the cost or, or the deal that you make with the devil, if you will. Um, but on the other hand, we got to look at a team like Boston, who I think, correct me if I'm wrong, has like seven or eight new players in their lineup. Um, and they're not having these issues. So, you know, right. it's 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 a little bit more than that. Maybe we can look at Tyron Lue. Maybe we can look at Brad Stevens. Maybe we can look at the superstar. You know, let me ask you this, Kyle. Go ahead. What is Cleveland's identity? Bruh, I you know, if people man, this team and again, I'm Hawks fans. So I don't have any vested interest in Cleveland, but I, I, I do when they're on. I do watch them just to see how they play. On a night-to-night basis, man, I, I don't know what I'm going to get. Like, some nights, they got it going, and they really look like they could, you know, tear up the whole league. And then other nights, they just – it's almost like 
I'm not gonna play defense. You gonna play defense? Oh, you, I was. I thought you was gonna get it. I thought you was. You know, it was. It's almost like you, you know, like how I put it like this. You you guys play a lot of ball, Central Park, and let's say you and B are are playing, and then you pick up three other guys, and you know, when you're in the midst of playing, you're just looking at these guys like, man, who are these guys? Like you really don't know who, and you realize these guys, they they should know basketball but they don't and 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 you're looking at them strange like why are you on the court sometimes cleveland they, they kind of give off that impression like they don't even know each other and we're almost halfway through the season and they, they shouldn't have these kind of issues they don't have an veteran. identity yeah, I, I, so. and, and, and and that's the point and, and 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 the reason why i asked that question is because when you when you think of boston what's their identity defense defense yeah Right. And, and all of the great teams, they have an identity and that identity starts from the top and the top. I mean, the head coach, the head coach sets the tone. What are we going to play like? How are we going to maximize what we do best? How are we going to mask what we don't do well? So I, and I agree with you in the statement that I don't want to put all of this on Ty Lue. But at the end of the day, we're halfway through the season, and what's the identity, right? Like, the, the, the Cleveland Cavs teams of Kyrie and LeBron, we knew what their identity was. It was get the ball to Kyrie and LeBron. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? <laughs> like, like they're they're going to do something special, and we need to surround them with shooting, and, and we're going to do our best impersonation of the Golden State Warriors and our two main guys, LeBron and Kyrie, right? Like, like, that, like that was their identity. And they rolled that to a championship in, in, in historic fashion, right? But mm-hmm. this season, we don't see anything at uh, all. We don't, don't know nothing. That that little run, that, that, that what was it, 13, 14 game win streak that, mm-hmm. that they was on? That was LeBron fueled. That yeah. was LeBron. LeBron flipped the switch and said, you know what? I'm the greatest. I'm going to show you I'm the greatest. And 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 I'm not gonna let Boston outdo me because okay, this so, is making me look bad. So 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 that leads to my next question now, and I want to throw it to the three of you. You you made a, a point that wh- which the point that you just made is something that I keep waiting for, and I'm looking at when I see them play. And I saw this a little bit of the game where they got blown out on Saturday. Can they flip a switch, or is there a switch to flip? Because and we see that. Remember the uh, Celtics teams. Ago, when they had Paul Pierce, Rondo, and those guys, and Ray Allen, you know, they kind of, you know, played around a little bit during the regular season. The back half of the last part of the regular season, they would flip the switch, turn it on, get ready for playoff time. Can it be that? And we've seen the Cavs and LeBron led teams do this in the past. Is there a flip to switch, and can they flip it? That's the question I have. Not I, for this team. Wow. My back can go ahead. Because that's no, what no, I'm waiting no. on. Wow, no, I, I just I'm I, waiting I, on it. That's what I'm really? waiting on. You don't think so, Ralph? No, because flipping of the switch has a lot to do with chemistry, um, and, and and knowing and trusting what you're capable of. They don't they don't know that yet. They 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 don't they don't trust each other. They they they're not a, a cohesive unit. They're not that. And unless you are that. You can't flip the switch, right? Because, because again, that win streak was Le- only LeBron fueled. Now, other win streaks are typically 
a whole conglomeration of other things. Yeah, some one player might be scoring all of the points, but then you're seeing the defensive efforts. You're seeing people diving up. You're, you're seeing a multitude of things that that results in that win streak. The win streak that Cleveland had was solely LeBron field. So, so what? Like, can LeBron turn on the switch? Of course. You know, I'm not questioning him. Can D Wade turn on the switch? Yeah. But collectively as a unit, hell no. I don't see it happening. Mm. What about you, B? Can, can, is there a switch for them to flip? And can they flip it? No. You talking about the Cavs? No. Yeah. Because um, defensively, they just so out of whack. You have to have defense. That's why Cavs were successful as they were going through the East because they was a good defensive team. You know what I'm saying? They, that's why they won a championship against Golden State because they was a good defensive team. If you if you're not playing any type of defense, I, I don't see them turn it on. And the way that IT, I just saw something that IT <laughs> called out Kevin Love. I mean, it, it's just a mess. It's like every now it's just, it's like it's turning into the freaking Trump uh, presidential uh, term. It's like it's a circus now with the Cavs. It's just it's just like now it's just turning into one. Every day we have a new drama, something else folds out that's happening with the Cavs. And they're in trouble. So I, I don't think they're going to turn it on, man. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm on the FIFO train now. Now I don't think they're going to make the finals. So I, I don't think they're going to cut it on. I think they're they going to they gonna get eliminated in the playoffs. Ken, what about you, man? You, you I, know the only way they make go it? Ahead, go ahead, the only, Hold on, Kyle. The, the only way they make it is if LeBron goes on that on that run that he did against Detroit like years ago when he was young. Where it's just like, I don't get into the rack. I'm, I'm hitting free. Like, like that's, the, that's the only – because LeBron – is 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 the Swiss Army knife? LeBron is is the deciding factor. If LeBron comes out and says, "Can't nobody stop me," you know that forty four that forty five point game uh, game five in Boston that he had. We get that LeBron for the entire playoff run. Then yes, they can make it out the East. But but where fifteen years in, I don't think Bron can do it for an entire playoff series. Mm-hmm. I, I just. And, and 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 granted, like physically, like we've never seen somebody in his fifteenth year do what LeBron is doing right now. Like LeBron has lost a couple, but him losing a couple steps still puts him in the top three physically in the NBA, right? So I don't know if he can sustain the level that it would require through an entire championship run. For him to do it himself, I, I just I, I don't think he has the gas, especially when he's a top five in minutes per game. You know, like he everything, everything is wrong with Cleveland. Everything is wrong with Cleveland. And that's why I said earlier, the GM hat that, that, that I have in me just says blow it up and restart because you're not going to win with this squad. Mm-hmm. Wow. Ken, what about you? Um, I got to see. I don't know, man. Like, what I saw tonight tells me no. They flat out sucked. I I also understand, like, I've seen them playing at their best. It just didn't involve Isaiah Thomas. And I know that considering what they gave up, trading him unless they get something of equal or more value is probably unlikely. But... We all know that a move will be made. We all know that there are some pieces, some players in that locker room that they got to get rid of. Shumpert might be one. Uh, after benching J.R. Smith, he might be the other because 
He just may not be mentally there anymore. So um, I got to see. I, I would like to see what changes Lou make. J.R. might be out the league. He might be. He might be. Um, seeing what, what changes Lou make and and seeing how LeBron develops the chemistry with them once they become, like, his rotation. Like, I think Jeff Green needs more PT. I think LeBron plays way better when Corver is on the court. And it, and and I like what Rose brings to the to the team. So are you gonna back out Crowder and put in Tristan Thompson and get away from Love at the five? I don't know, but Thompson isn't effective when he's out there. Get him out. So right. um, I think if you give LeBron his guys, he'll make it work. To FIFO's point, these ain't his guys, Ken. Whoa, whoa. He is he not the one that pushed for this Jr. deal? No, no. Is I'm talking about the- Crowder. I when I say these guys, let me let me when I say these guys, I'm talking about not not like the Crowders and, and not like the the Shumpers and the Jr. Because he did push for them. I'm talking about what's the team that I'm going to play with consistently for the rest of the year and into the playoffs. And once LeBron knows that. He'll be. I, I feel like he'll be able to make it work. He didn't ask for Crowder. He didn't ask for Calderon or uh, uh, who's the other guy? It or Osman? I think Osman's a rookie. I don't know if he, did he come with the trade. It don't matter. It don't even matter. Uh, he didn't ask for them. Wade Rose, yes. Corver, he loves. So I think if if he knows who the guys are that he's going to go to battle with every night. He'll make it work. So, and I think that's where that that's the disconnect now. But yeah, you're absolutely right. No, nah, everybody else, he he did. Jr. Shumper, uh, you know, he did. Ask but Ken, him over there. this season, do they have enough time? You're past the midway point now, right? Like, like I, I just that's the reason why I don't see it. That that's that's the reason why I can't buy in. You I think they have enough? I, I don't think they do. I don't want to count them out just yet, but the more and more I see them, the the more and more frustrated I am watching them because the the talent is there, you just don't see the effort. And you know, I and I talked about it, you know, a couple of weeks ago when they played Golden State. That one play when KD got the ball on the break and LeBron was clearly there and could have stopped him, and he just let him take off and dunk on him. I mean. That, that wouldn't have happened, you know, two years ago. And I, I just don't see the effort. And I know, you know, a lot is on LeBron's shoulders, but, you know, a lot of that he has to take upon himself to be like, okay, you can't. And I'm not, and don't get me wrong, I'm not questioning LeBron's leadership. I think he's a great leader. But I think sometimes you got to just elevate yourself on a leadership, you know, just to the next level. And and time will tell. And, and like you said, there's a disconnect. And, and what Ken said earlier Isaiah Thomas's comments about you know what what they did in Boston, you shouldn't be talking about what you did in Boston, you know. So I don't know if these pieces fit. I'm still I'm not going to throw dirt on the Cavs just yet because I know you know they're in the East and you know they can get it together. But you know from what we're seeing on a night to night basis and like Ken said tonight was Exhibit A. I mean you you and FIFO made a good point. You have Tyron Lue saying. I'm going to make changes to my lineup. And then as soon as people said, I said, let me go look at the box score. And lo and behold, J.R. Smith, zero points. He's got as many points as I did tonight. 
you know, so something's got to give. So we'll we'll see. And you know, Ken to Ken's point, there could be a coaching change. I don't know that there will be, and I don't necessarily know that there should be. But you know, if this keeps up, I mean, at some point they're going to start pointing to Tyron Luke. You know, and they've already asked LeBron about it, and he didn't sound, you know, he didn't throw him under the bus, but he didn't sound too convinced either. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, we're coming up on the end of the podcast. As always, man, we want to thank everybody for tuning in. Uh, make sure that you uh, download and subscribe our podcast. The podcast can be found on iTunes uh, slash Apple Podcasts, uh, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play. Uh, everywhere you get your podcast. that's where you can find us. Make sure that you uh, follow us on YouTube, youtube.com backslash dead end sports. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, we're there. Twitter, we're there at Dead Sports. Follow us individually as well on the Twitter machine. Um, it is time for our closing thoughts. Uh, uh, my man FIFO's up first. Uh, FIFO, what's your closing thought? Oh, man. Um, man, 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 where do I go? Um, Jacksonville. We'll talk. We'll talk about Jacksonville. We'll talk about Jacksonville. Um, who 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 who's the front office guy? Um, that was just the, the New York Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. Tom Coughlin. You you definitely have outdone yourself. Um, but it might be time to be looking in the draft for another quarterback. Uh, because you can't win without one. And Blake Bortles is definitely no LeBron James. Um, and if you think that you're going to win, even with a 40-year-old Tom Brady in the AFC, you're going to need you a stud. Uh, the rest of that team, you know, I, I feel for them because <laughs> that's tough. That's tough. And that team is young. And I, I think that they are going to be formidable but I think that their Achilles heel is going to be Blake Bortles. And I think that we've had enough time to see that he's not the guy. So Tom Coughlin, great job. I think this is his first season, right? If I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. or second season. Um, but you're going to need your quarterback, man. You're going to need your quarterback. I'm going to leave it there. True indeed, true indeed. Uh, next up, my man, BZ430. BZ, what you got? Uh, two names in the boxing world that y'all have to definitely be on the lookout for. Um, I've been praising these guys for the heck for the last four or five years. Errol Spence, Terrence Crawford, two mm-hmm. of the best in the welterweight division in the 147 uh, division. Uh, just all I got to say is just be on the lookout. Uh, Errol Spence put in work against Lamont Peterson this past Saturday, which I expected. Eight round TKO, um, still undefeated. Not no. Draws anything and Terrence Crawford undefeated. Uh, he just recently moved up into the 147 uh, welterweight division um, from the 140 light welterweight division. So um, yeah, man, I'm looking for a clash. I'm looking for a clash of these two guys. Which that's that, as of right now, that'd be like the next big mega fight. I know they say Aerosmith and Keith Thurman, but um, I, he would do work on Keith Thurman. Um, that would be a wrap for that. They, folks been ducking and dodging Errol Spence, but the only person that's not ducking and dodging him and that wants him is Terrence Crawford. So I'm glad, he, and that's the reason why he moved up to 147 because he's dominated his uh, 135 and 140 weight class. So look out for Terrence Crawford. Dude is special, man. Dude can fight. He can adjust on the fly with southpaw 
or orthodox style. He can fight either hand, no problem. Errol Spence is just a southpaw. So that would be interesting. I would love to see that in the, in the future. Hopefully we get that late this year, if not early, hopefully early next year, because I think they're looking at a late uh, late this year, Keith Thurman and Errol Spence. But uh, just look, you heard it. You heard me say these names again. Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence. If you if you haven't, look at their previous fights. Look at their work up to now. These guys are, are, the, are the next special welterweights in division, man. Like, check it out. True indeed. True indeed. Uh, my man, Ken. Ken, what you got for your final thought? I got into uh, a passionate uh, Twitter discussion via DM with at Lucas Geisman. I hope that's how you say your name. I'm reading it. If that's not, I apologize. Um, about Mike Tomlin. He's a uh, a Stiller fan, and uh, he, he wants to fire Mike Tomlin. <laughs> um and and my my thing and and here are the reasons you know he says uh well what I pointed out to him I was like man you know uh the Jaguars Jalen Ramsey was talking I ain't see anybody criticize Doug Marone I said the Seahawks they have a culture that's a little loose players culture you know nobody saying Pete Carroll is a bad coach or that team is not buttoned up uh, many people say he's the second best coach in in, in the in the NFL. What they went nine and seven this year, uh, one and one in the Super Bowl, same as Tomlin. Um, I pointed all this stuff out, and his reply was that uh, the reason why they're not criticized as much as the Steelers is because um, they're not as popular as the Steelers or held to as high of a standard as the Steelers. Maybe the Jaguars. Uh, but that's the organization's fault and that's the people's fault. But I'm pretty sure the Seahawks have over the last couple of years have a high standard for themselves and we have a high standard for them as well because you went one and one in the Super Bowl. Um, I think the difference obviously is that the coaches are white, you know, mm. and, and Tomlin is a black coach. And yes, the Steelers have high expectations for themselves. Um, and, and I understand that. But let's understand something. Tomlin isn't the only one who's made a bad fourth down call. I think I pointed out on the show that uh, Bill Belichick mm-hmm. is down and it cost his team some wins. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and he was criticized for it. But um, he's saying that, you know, the expectations for this team with the roster that they have is not being met year after year. Um, if those expectations are a Super Bowl every year, um, well, good luck with that. I think New England went 10 years without winning one themselves, and now they're on a roll. He pointed out that they were dropping games to inferior teams in the regular season. Uh, I don't know. They lost three games. Maybe they lost two to um, – you can point out that's fine, but they won 13. Um, can't get the number one seed. If I recall, they uh, lost on a poor catch rule at the goal line. Without time, without their number one receiver, um, that's bad luck. Lack of preparation. Stop all this stuff that you hear over and over again, <laughs> saying that it's coaching and pointing out the offense and the defense and how they have five first round picks, like they can't be bust, you know, and this, that, and the other, and they should be in the AFC Championship every year at least. All right, you know, it's the same. I'm like, you're talking about a guy who's never, and this is the last time I hope I have to talk about Tomlin on this show, but. 
at least for a while. We're, we're basketball season. But I, I feel like I have to say this because y'all are not going to get rid of all the black coaches, especially one that's winning. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And you can sit there and try to get rid of you, – you can cite Marvin Lewis, and I'm still going to advocate for him because he's the brother. But Mike Tomlin is indefensible for you guys to call for this guy's job after going 13-3. and three. Now, y'all can get rid of him if you want. But I urge you to be careful because you might end up with a dirt cutter or you might end up with a Ben McAdoo. Mm. And then you come holler at me about expectations. Facts, facts, facts. Kenneth over there preaching. <laughs> uh, my final thought, man, um, I'm going to go a little deep on this one. Um, right now there is an army going on. Uh, it's an army of about 144 women, and they're all coming for Larry Nasser uh, during his sentencing uh, process. Who is Larry Nasser? Larry Nasser is the doctor who sexually abused uh, and trained young women uh, for the Olympics over the past 20 years. Um, his uh, his accusers are, you know, some of the most famous Olympic names that we've heard in the last 10, 15 years. Uh, Olympic medalists such as Jordan Weber, uh, Ali Reisman, um, Jamie Dancer. Michaela Maroney and the the great Simone Biles. Uh, now this guy Larry Nasser pleaded guilty to uh, in back in I think it was November of last year to ten sexual assault charges split between uh, Ingram and Eaton counties in Michigan. The plea agreements um, said on the low end of his sentence could give him twenty five to forty years in prison, and the maximum could give him life. Uh, if you have some time, go read some of the details of the testimonies of these women who are speaking at his sentencing. Um, it will, I mean, rock you to the core as far as what you would read. I mean, this is a despicable man. To be honest, if it were up to me, I'd give him the chair. Um, and of course, you know, when you talk about sexual uh, misconduct and, you know, sexual assault and th- things of this nature, uh, of course, it goes to Hollywood. And speaking of Hollywood, uh, an NBA legend has gone Hollywood. Um, Kobe Bryant today was named an Oscar nominee. Now, again, they announced it today that he was named uh, for, for an Oscar, excuse me, um, for his nominated short. And it was called Dear Basketball alongside animator Glenn Keane. Um, Bryant's Dear Basketball film project was based on a letter that he wrote bidding farewell to the sport uh, when he retired in 2016. Um, But Kobe's nomination, you know, kind of came at the time that Hollywood is reeling with these stories of sexual misconduct. Um, And so obviously it dug up, you know, the memories and the thoughts of what happened with Kobe and his rape trial back in, I think it was 2003. Uh, Kobe Bryant, then married, uh, publicly admitted to a sexual encounter with his accuser, uh, but he denied, you know, any assault allegations. The case was dropped after Bryant's accuser refused to testify and Kobe later settled a civil uh, lawsuit. I'll give you a quote. This is the quote that Bryant's uh, his lawyer read at the at the trial. Um Although I truly believe the counter between us was consensual, I recognize now that she did not and does not view the same incident the same way that I did. Uh, After months of reviewing and discovering and listening to her attorney, even in her testimony in person, I I now understand how she feels that she did not consent to this account encounter. 
Close quote. Surprisingly, me, the Oscars are surprised that they received immediate backlash from Kobe's nomination. Given, you know, the state of what happened and where we are, I'm surprised personally that they're surprised. That's going to do it for us, for my man FIFO, for B, for Ken. I'm your host, 12 Kyle. We'll catch you guys next week. Peace.